How's it going, everybody? Got lots to talk about today. Uh, not really a whole lot of new releases, but in terms of new stuff, I am going to be talking about Bob Odenkirk's new movie, Nobody, as well as the second episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+. Plus. So stay tuned for those. Other movies I'll be talking about today, I got Nomadland from 2020, The Father, also from 2020. Also from 2020, I have Minir, uh, Minari, sorry, uh, and 2019's Sound of Metal, starring Rizmod. So, yeah, just basically going and trying to watch the movies that were nominated for Oscars that I didn't see, so I can kind of get my input on them and, you know, see if I would want them to win over the other movies that I've seen. Um, but yeah. Definitely going to talk quite in depth about Sound of Metal in particular, but the other ones I probably won't have the most to say about it, but I'll still get my input and all that and kind of tell you what it's about. But before any of that, I'm going to be getting into some movie news. So without further ado, let's get to the intro. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas. Half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. All right, let's get into some movie news. Also, sorry if you can hear rain in the background. It's raining really hard. Nothing I can do about it. Can't stop the weather. So, uh, first thing in terms of movie news, I'm sure a lot of people heard Black Widow's release date was moved from May 7th to July 8th and will be available in theaters and on Disney Plus through their uh, premier access premier access tier on Disney Plus, um, where you basically pay $30 extra on top of your subscription, which that subscription is going up soon uh, to $7.99. I forgot when, but um, it's still cheaper than a lot of the other streaming services, so I'm sure it'll go up with time. But, you know, it is what it is. I believe I saw Netflix's... uh, price was going up to per month but could be wrong uh also just kind of surprised that they ended up going with the disney plus route um i think black widow would have done really good in theaters now i know that cases are kind of starting to go up a little bit so that's why it was like really kind of last minute and nobody really knew whether or not they're gonna push it back again but um, I think overall, it was probably a good decision to push the release date back. But I don't know about the Disney Plus thing, because to be honest, um, there's a piece of news here from Screen Rant saying that Raya and the Last Dragon underperformed Mulan on Disney Plus, uh, as the data suggests. So, yeah, that's pretty bad, because I feel like that Mulan live action adaptation 
did pretty bad. So uh, I think Maria did probably did really well in the theaters and it's still out. So it'll probably continue to do pretty well. Um, I've seen a lot of people going to it. So, but that is just one theater. So I don't know how it is everywhere else, but yeah, I mean, I've been going to the theaters here and there. So, um, you know, going to see nobody. Uh, that was a really good movie, by the way. I will get into that review. That'll probably be one of the first things I review. Um, but yeah, that movie was pretty filled up. Also, I'm trying to get tickets to Godzilla vs. Kong because I'm deciding to go see it in IMAX. And uh, yeah, the opening day of it is all filled up for IMAX pretty much. So I think I'm either going to see it on Thursday or Friday, but we'll see. Um, so yeah. Uh, other piece of news here. I don't know if you guys saw or not. The official Red Band trailer for James Gunn's The Suicide Squad got released on YouTube. Um, definitely go check the trailer out if you haven't seen it. I was a little bit taken aback from it. I don't know why. Um, I'm hoping that it didn't show the whole movie. But it showed a lot, I feel like. Um, also, I have to say... I don't know how about how I feel about a big CGI monster being the villain. So kind of over that plot device. Um, but Peter, Peter Capaldi's thinker is shown for a brief moment. I thought that was pretty neat. I really like Peter Capaldi as an actor. So I think he'll be interesting as that character. I think he'll do well. Uh, it's a really fitting role for him I feel like so he'll he'll definitely knock it out of the park um yeah I guess my biggest worries for this movie is the big CGI monster uh which I forget the name of but they're like these starfish things but it sounds ridiculous but it could work that's just the kind of thing I worry about with these these movies oftentimes is having a big just stupid brainless kind of villain in a way which is essentially what i felt dark side and and uh stefan wolf were but i'm gonna be talking about justice league again with my friends sometime in the near future because i definitely have more to say about it i was definitely uh overly excited and didn't really talk about the flaws of it in my initial review so i'll definitely uh be going back to talk about it some point soon in the next couple of episodes once i can get my friends to watch that all four hours you know um i might watch the black and white version i was gonna watch it the other night but i was like eh, it's kind of late i don't feel like watching a four-hour movie again uh, just to have, like, maybe added scenes, but also maybe not. But uh, another piece of news here. San Diego Comic-Con's 2020 convention will be held in person over Thanksgiving weekend. Um, thought that was notable, so there you go. I want to go to Comic-Con eventually, but 
I've never been. I think it'd be fun. Probably won't go this year, but uh, yeah, there you go for anybody who is curious or likes going to conventions. Uh, you can go over Thanksgiving weekend this year. Uh, I believe this is the last piece of news here. Screen Rant reports Amazon is developing a spy comedy based on the U- U.S. Postal Service. The film is called the USP, yeah, the USPS, and will be helmed by Blacklist. Blacklist, yeah. Screenwriter Perry jo- Perry Janes, yeah. I thought I said Jones for a second. <laughs> Perry Janes. And uh, starring Coming to America's Jermaine Fowler, which I really liked him in Coming to America. So, the Coming to America, number two. <laughs> number two. Um, but yeah, I really liked him in that movie. So, um, I think it sounds like a funny idea. I'm down for it. I'll watch it and, you know, go in with an open mind, but also... I'm going to be honest if it's not good. So, we'll, we'll see. Um, and yeah, that's all the movie news for today. So, thank you guys for listening to this portion of the podcast. Without further ado, let's get into talking about Nobody. Uh, stop. Alright, Nobody. It is directed by Isla. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Isla Nyshuller, and uh, written by Derek Kolstad. So, uh, yeah, I believe it's produced. Uh, Let me see. Uh, Yeah, Derek Kolstad worked on all three John Wick films. Also, as a writer on The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Did not know that. That's pretty cool. Um, And... The director worked on Hardcore Henry. Uh, he was the director of Hardcore Henry. So, pretty good uh, people to have on uh, on your writing and directing team, I guess you, you could say. Um, Bob Odenkirk stars as Hutch Mansell. You have Alexi Sarah... I'm definitely going to say this wrong. Sarah Bryakov... Maybe I said it right, but probably not. As uh, Yulian Kuznetsov. Connie Nielsen as Hutch's wife, Becca. Uh, You have Christopher Lloyd as Hutch's dad, David. Um, You have Riza, R-Z-A. I believe it's pronounced Riza as uh, Harry, which is Hutch's brother. Uh, which probably adopted or some shit, but they don't really address it in the movie. A little bit of a spoiler there for you, but it's not that huge. Um, and then Paisley Catarath, hopefully I'm saying that right, as Abby Mansell, and Gage Monroe as Blake Mansell, so that's the daughter and the son. Um, that's pretty much the main cast, I would say. And this movie is basically about a dad, played by... Bob Odenkirk, and uh, he has a wife and children, and uh, works in pretty normal job, works day to day, pretty normal guy, but you can tell deep inside he has this darkness. And uh, one night, a couple people try robbing his place, 
and he doesn't do anything about it. His son's pissed at him because he's like, you could have done something about it. Um, but yeah, he eventually goes out and just kind of tries to stop people from being pieces of shit and is brutal about it. It's essentially John Wick, but replace Keanu Reeves with Bob Odenkirk and uh, give him a wife and kids in a normal house and a normal job and uh, have him be a little less in God mode and more, you know, a little more realistic in terms of, of the fighting where he's not like always getting, well, there's instances of him getting, getting hurt really bad, like shot, stabbed, thrown out fucking windows. Yeah. He gets back up, but also, you know, in in a sense, it feels like he's in more danger than, than John Wick feels. Then it feels like John Wick is in his movies. You know what I'm saying? Because like, I guess with John Wick, he doesn't really have anything other than the dog, which, you know, a dog is pretty much equal to a wife and two children in my eyes. Um, but not in like the stressful sense, just in like the, the, in terms of companionship and love, but that's just me. I just really love dogs. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what John Wick does well for me. But the first dog I liked better. Second one, I don't really like those kinds of dogs much. I don't know if it's like a pit bull or a bull terrier or something like that. Can't remember. But he is a good boy. Um, <laughs> I was hoping my dog would look at me when I said that. He's a good boy. Good boy. Bingo. Bingo. He's sleeping. <laughs> um. Yeah, so... Um, where was I going with this? Yeah, so he doesn't feel invincible like John Wick kind of does. I mean, in a sense, like, John Wick does get really fucking hurt. But, like, also, it can kind of feel a little like he's, you know, again, in God mode. Um, Bob Odenkirk in this movie definitely doesn't have, like, the build enough and, like, the presence to make him seem as threatening as Keanu Reeves can seem. Um, but that kind of helps the movie in a sense because it's not like just a straight out action movie. It's, it's an unexpected, you know, kind of, kind of hero in a way, anti-hero, I would say, um, that rhymed, but yeah, um, I, there's my general review. I, I, our general uh, premise, my general review, I very much enjoyed this movie. It has a few flaws. I didn't quite care for the ending, um, but overall, I had a lot of fun with it, and it's just fucking brutal. There were scenes where I had to kind of look away just because it was so nasty. Um, so, yeah, definitely, this is a hard arm movie, but it shares a lot of, a lot of plot 
plot beats, I guess you could say, with, um, uh, you know, John Wick. With, I guess you could tell by the, the cast, uh, the Alexei guy, he's Russian. So you have a Russian mob boss in this. So it's pretty similar to John Wick in that sense. Um, but it does a lot of other different things. And uh, the choreography is a little bit different. I love the way Bob Odenkirk trained for this movie. I saw a little bit, bit of the behind the scenes. And uh, I was just really impressed with the things that he did to get into shape and just train and make it look like he could actually fuck you up in a fight. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely go watch this movie. I recommend it. I would watch it again. And I could probably see this going in my top 10 of this year. But we'll see. There's a lot of other movies coming out. So, you know. But I enjoyed it very much. And I'm definitely going to watch it again. Uh, so, yeah. Here's a little bit of a spoiler review for you. Um, yeah, the bus scene. This is the only thing I want to talk about, really. Out of all the spoilers I could talk about. This is what stuck with me the most. That bus scene where he's fucking up all those dudes. It's just bliss. It's it's just violent and fucking hilarious and also just gross <laughs> in a lot of well, in some senses with him sticking the, the straw in his uh like he um I can't remember if he I think he punched the dudes like Adam's apple and then took like a knife and then made a little bit of a hole in his neck and then put the straw through it so he could breathe. Oh my God. I hated that. I hated that so much. I hated it so much, dude. (laughs) Oh, that shit was brutal, but that stuck with me. So that was definitely that whole bus sequence. I thought was the best part of the film for me. Um, it got a little over the top at, at a certain point where he burns down the house and shit, but also I understand why he did that. And also when he's talking to the bodies of the people that are like just barely alive and then they die and he's like still talking and he doesn't realize it. Like it's fine, but like I wish it only would have happened once, but it happened twice. And you know, it's fine. It, it's more, it's mostly a comedy movie. Um, in my eyes, but it's also like definitely heavy action, just brutal action. But yeah, definitely check this movie out. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Definitely going to watch it again. So yeah, there's my review for nobody. All right. Nomadland is a 2020 movie stars Francis McDormand as a character named Fern. It's directed by Chloe Zhao and written by, oh, also written by Chloe Zhao and based on the book by Jessica Bruder. This movie, let me give you the premise. Following the economic collapse of a community town in rural Nevada, Fern, played by Frances McDormand, packs her van and sets off on the road exploring a life outside of conventional society as a modern-day nomad. 
The third feature film from director Chloe Zhao, Nomadland features real nomads, Linda May, uh, Swanky, and Bob Wells as Fern's mentors and comrades in her exploration through the vast landscape of the American West. So, yeah, there you go. That's the main premise for you. Living on her own, pretty much, but has certain companions that are around for a while and then sometimes go, but she always kind of sees them again. Um, it's a very slow burn kind of movie, but has a lot of shots of her just looking at nature. It's definitely longer than it needs to be. By the way, this review isn't going to be very long. It's probably going to be like five minutes tops. But um, would I watch this movie again? Uh, I could see myself being in a certain mood for it again. But I don't. And by the way, that's kind of how I rate things around here. Would I watch this again? I could see myself possibly watching certain parts of it again. But I don't know if I'd want to sit through the whole movie again, to be honest. It's very slow. Not a whole lot happens. But, you know. I don't mind movies like that, especially with this, because it's a way of life that I kind of look at sometimes and somewhat envy. Um, but there's there's definitely a certain beauty to that, that way of living that I've thought about quite a bit, but I'm probably never going to do that because that's not really my style. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed the movie overall. Again, it's longer than it needs to be. It's an hour and 47 minutes. I think they probably could have cut it down to like an hour and a half. And that would have been a lot more bearable for me. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't... It has a whole lot to say. And it says it. But at the same time, it says it in small ways. So... For a lot of people, this movie is going to be super boring. I enjoyed certain aspects of it. Would I watch it again? Maybe, but it's not really anything I'd be rushing back to watch. Um, but it was nominated for six Academy Awards, uh, uh, including Best Picture and Best Director for Chloe Zhao. I also believe Frances McDormand was... Uh, nominated for Best Actress. So there's three of the nominations for you. I'm not sure what the other ones are. I'm sure Cinematography is one of them. Um, but yeah, the cinematography in this movie is really great, by the way. I appreciate shit like that. And especially having Nevada, it's such a beautiful place. People tend to think of Nevada as kind of like Las Vegas, and then just desert, which it kind of is, but there's still beauty to the desert in my eyes. Um, but I can see how people would be like, eh, I don't like the desert. It's just vast and boring. There's nothing there. But in a way, it's kind of nice. And also, there's like canyons and shit. Like, I want to, uh, I know in Arizona, that's definitely one place I really want to go. They have the Antelope Canyons, and those look so cool. If you haven't seen them, uh, they were like a screensaver on Windows computers for the longest time. Um, but, yeah. Um, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It looks really cool. Just 
search up on Google Images, Antelope Canyon, I believe it's called. Um, definitely want to go check that out someday. There's some canyons in this movie, not that one specifically, but I'm sure, I, I think there's kind of uh, strict rules on filming in the Antelope Canyon because it is, uh, I think it's like native land, you know? So, like, you kind of got to be careful around that area as to not disrespect the the natives that live there. Um, but, yeah, that's probably also why it's called Antelope Canyon. Native Americans tend to name things after animals quite a bit. Um, but, yeah. There's my review for Nomadland. Not much of a review, but also not much of a movie. Not saying that to disrespect the writer and director or anybody involved, really. But it's a slow burn. It has good messages, but probably should have been shortened a little bit. And uh, yeah, but overall, I, I really did enjoy it. And there was really deep moments. Also, Double Toasted, I believe, said something about this. Or I think it was them. Um but some of the like real life nomads that were in the movie did really well with acting. And I completely bought them as actors until I realized, uh, looked it up and realized later on that they were actually real nomads brought in for authenticity. And it's shit like that, that I really appreciate about movies. So I'm not trying to diss the movie in any sense because there's a lot to be appreciated about it. But for a lot of people, this is going to be very boring and slow and you know, they're going to regret watching it. I don't regret watching it. There's a certain beauty to, to movies like this. I think it had a message and it said it. Um, I think it could have said it in a slightly like, you know, uh, 10 or 17 minutes shorter, you know, um, I think it could have cut off a little bit there. Cut out, cut out a few scenes of her looking at nature because there's a lot of them. I almost want to go back and just count how many times she's just like looking out into into nature. There's a lot. <laughs> but also I kind of don't want to go through just like sitting and not really doing a whole lot. But I did love the characters in there. Linda May was adorable. I love old ladies. Um... Old people are so cute. Um, unless they're not. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're like terrifying and mean. <laughs> but most most old ladies, I think, are like cute old ladies that are like, Oh, have you eaten anything yet? Oh, I need to make you something. I'm not hungry. Oh, you're just going to eat something. Okay, I'm going to make you something. You want a sandwich? I'm like, yeah, Grandma, I'll have a sandwich. <laughs> I love old people. <laughs> but yeah, again, there's my review for Nomadland. Uh, it is on Hulu if you want to go watch it. So there you go. All right. The Father stars Anthony Hopkins as Anthony and Olivia Coleman as Anne. You also have Mark Gaddis as the man, Olivia Williams as the woman, uh, Imogen Poots, hopefully I said that right, as Laura. Rufus Swell as Paul. Um, 
yeah, that's pretty much the main cast, I would say. It's directed by Florian Zeller, and screenplay is by Christopher Hampton. It's based on a... Oh, it's also... Screenplay is also by Florian Zeller, um, who, I guess, made the play version of this. Yes, it is based on a play. And let me give you the plot real quick. A man refuses all assistance from his daughter as he ages. As he tries to make sense of his changing circumstances, he begins to doubt his loved ones, his own mind, and even the fabric of his reality. So essentially, I believe he... They never straight out say it, I don't think, but I believe he is getting Alzheimer's in the movie. Um, it's an hour of 37 minutes, so it, it it's a little bit long. Um, it was just a tad bit too long, just a wee bit. But um, And also, I think it kind of had a little bit of pacing issues, but I think that's also slightly because of what they were doing with this movie. So it was kind of all over the place, but it was somewhat meant to be. And I would actually really love to talk to the people that that made this because it just really blew my mind the way that they um, they uh, show how this disease can can really affect somebody. I don't know how scientifically accurate all of it is, but from this, it it, it basically makes it look like. It's somewhat of a horror movie in a sense, um, or suspenseful, uh, what would you call that? Uh, a thriller. In a way, it's kind of a thriller, but it's too slow to be a thriller. Um, and I'm not saying that to be a, that it's a bad thing, because it's a simple plot, um, but it keeps moving pretty well. Um, so yeah, you have Anthony Hopkins, uh playing the character of Anthony and the daughter is Anne played by Olivia Coleman. And basically what they do with this film um, is, you know, they have the main daughter, Olivia Coleman playing Anne, but every once in a while they will have an actor come in playing the same character. Pardon me, I have hiccups. I'm playing the same character, but um, you know, they obviously look different. And at times, like with the with the um, female actress, at least, uh, which was Olivia Williams, I believe. Yeah, um, they have her come in playing the daughter. So and it shows that Anthony Hopkins is starting not to even remember his own children and stuff like that. He only has one one daughter in the movie, uh, but has another one that he references quite a bit. Also, there's the character of Paul, um, which, yeah, Rufus Sewell. I think I said Swell before, uh, or maybe I didn't even credit him at all but um yeah uh so him and mark gaddis pretty much play the same character uh and they just swap here and there man uh there's a lot of scenes like involving elder abuse somewhat it's very brief but it broke my heart and uh, just like Nomadland, it's going back to old people. I, I really do love old people, but 
with this character, he's a very stubborn kind of person, and um, he had a lot of caretakers before, but they couldn't handle his behavior. So uh, there's a new caretaker that they have, Laura, played by Imogen Poots. So again, sorry if I said that wrong. But um, yeah, I really liked her. She reminded me a lot of, um, oh, what's her name? Shoot. It's the one girl from Baby Driver and Cinderella and all that. Lily James. She reminded me of Lily James a little bit. Um, but yeah, I thought she was really good and had a lot of, oh, she was so great. Because, like, even when Anthony was getting into his moods and and all that, like, she knew how to handle it, and and they just, like, really got along. And it's partially because he kept referencing his other daughter, which I forgot the name of his other daughter, but, um, yeah, basically he kept saying that she reminded him of his daughter. Um... But yeah, uh, yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to say. Not a whole lot, really. I kind of got to the the thick of it. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I would probably watch it again. Uh, my voice cracked a little. But yeah, I would probably watch it again and definitely recommend you guys check it out. Um, I just think it's really interesting the way they put this film together and the choices they decide to make, you know, swapping actors and all that, but having them play the same character to show that he's starting not to remember what uh, his own daughter looks like and what her husband Paul looks like and all that and starting to like kind of freak out because he doesn't recognize people. Um, a little bit of a spoiler here in the end, he's in a nursing home and he's crying, and I was in tears. He was like, I want my mommy. I want my mommy. Oh, my God. I'm not... Uh, that's just... Oh, man. But the nurse handled it so well, and it just gave me so much respect for the people that do that, that, that help, you know, elderly people going through God knows what, you know waking up not even remembering who the fuck they are like themselves it's just so deep and i would like to kind of like go into more depth with it but it just kind of hits a, a personal place i guess um it, it it's the ending just had me in tears and just thinking about it now is making me making me uh, emotional, really emotional. So uh, I might end this this review for the movie right here before I start fucking bawling. All right, Minari. Uh, this movie is written and directed by Lee Isaac Chung. And uh, it's produced by Stephen Yeun, I believe. Let me check that. Uh, Brad Pitt is an executive producer on it. Nice. Yep. And uh, as well as Stephen Yeun and uh, 
Joshua Backhove. And then other producers, you got Dee Dee Gardner, which I believe she was in The Way Back, right? Not the one with um, Ben Affleck, but like summertime one. Might be wrong about that because I'm not seeing it here. I thought she was in that, but I guess not. Oh, well. But, uh, what else? Jeremy Kleiner is also producer on it. Don't know any of those people, really. But, uh, cast. We got Steven Yeun as Jacob. Uh, Yuri, yeah, Yuri Han as Monica. That's the, uh, Steven Yeun being the husband. Yuri Han being the wife. Uh, uh, Alan S. Kim as David. And Noel Cho as Anne. David. I'm going to say this right now. That little, uh, Anne and David are the brother and the sister and also the kids of the mother and father. But David is the cutest fucking kid ever. He's so fucking cute. Oh my God. I love kids, but I also hate kids. Just being real. I like kids when they're well behaved and cute, but also spoiler alert. This kid does fill up a cup with his pee and makes his, or like gives it to his grandma without her knowing. And she actually drank it. It was pretty funny though. I can't lie. Basically, uh, in this movie, they are, oh yeah. You also have Esther moot Esther. Yeah. Esther moon as miss, miss, uh, Mrs. O. I believe that's supposed to be the mother or grandmother. Oh, wait, no. No, I'm wrong about that. To be honest, I can't remember what part she played in it. You'll have to forgive me. Uh, but Yo, 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 Jung Yoon plays Sunja, which I believe she's the grandma. And I really like the grandma in here. She's pretty great. Um, I wish she was my grandma. But yeah, it was this was a really cute movie. Uh it takes place in 1980s Arkan uh, Arkansas, <laughs> Arkansas. And uh basically uh, here is the plot synopsis for you. Yearning to own a small patch of land and be more than a chicken sexer, the ambitious patter fam- fam- familias that is a word I've never seen. Uh, Jacob Yee reclose. Oh my god, I can't talk. Apparently, relocates his Korean American family, skeptical wife Monica, and their children David and Anne from California to 1980s rural Ar- Arkansas. <laughs> Don't say Arkansas. To start a fresh and capture. The elusive American dream. However, new beginnings are always challenging, and to find out what is best for the family, let alone start a 50 acre farm to grow and sell Korean fruits and vegetables, is easier said than done. But amid sincere promises, cultural unease, fleeting hopes, and the ever present threat of financial disaster, Jacob is convinced 
that he has found their own slice of Eden in the rich, dark soil of Arkansas. Can Grandma Sunja's humble but resilient Minari help the Yi family figure out their place in the world? Minari, essentially, in this film is used for healing wounds, and it's a, it's like kind of a medicinal kind of thing, using all sorts of medicines and shit like that. Um, and it's very big in Korea, I guess, from what they were saying in the movie. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about this movie. I will say, uh, it's two hours. It definitely didn't need to be two hours. They could have cut a lot of shit out, but, uh, for the most part, I did enjoy this movie. It got a tad bit off the rails towards the end, but, uh, just a teensy bit. Uh, I didn't mind the ending that much, but I was fine with it in the end. Uh, you know, because it, it inevitably did what it needed to do, needed to do to have a satisfying ending where everybody in the end was together. Um, but yeah, great movie. If you haven't watched it, I suggest you go check it out. Probably not something... Uh, I might watch it again. I could see myself watching it again just for David because... He's the cutest fucking kid ever. Uh, I don't know. There's something about when he smiles and when he's like being a cute kid. Also, David in the film has... Uh, I don't know if they ever say exactly what it is. Um, but he has some sort of medical disease where like, if he walks too far of a distance or runs, then it, like his heart starts beating really fast and like he can have an irregular heartbeat, which can lead to like, uh, I'm not sure I'm not a doctor, but it's not good. And uh, yeah, definitely when it comes to that kind of stuff, it makes me feel a little bit more for, for characters when they have something like that they're dealing with, let alone them being a child. Oh my God. <laughs> like you have my heart. Uh, cute children that are like, and this sounds really creepy, I guess, but you know, I'm being sincere about it and not a fucking pedophile or anything. Uh, I don't know when, when you got a cute kid in the movie, but then also that kid has some sort of a disease. Oh my God. <laughs> you, you win my heart immediately. Because, you know, that's how you... I'm a softie, so... That's that's kind of how you... Tug on my heartstrings is... Having a kid in the movie and then putting them in peril. That shit always... I, I have a younger brother, so, like... You know, that kind of shit always makes me... Emotional-ish. Um, depending on the situation. But, yeah... Uh, there's my review for Minari. I thought it was a good movie. Excuse me, I just burped a little bit. Um, yeah, go check it out. It's a pretty good movie. Somewhat of a foreign film. Uh, I don't think it's made by a foreign director. Wait, yeah, it is. Um, but I think it was made in America, so I don't think that's considered a foreign film, but I could be wrong. I, I don't know. Um, I just watch these movies. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, it has a lot of like 
sequences where they're speaking Korean. So it has subtitles. So it's just one of those movies where you got to read the subtitles a lot of the time. So just there's a little bit of a warning for you there. But yeah, my review for Minari is And the last movie I'm going to be reviewing tonight. Well, it's nighttime right now, but it might not be when you're listening to this. Uh, is 2019's Sound of Metal, which is another movie that's nominated. Uh, can't remember exactly what award, but um, it's such a good movie, and I already kind of want to watch it again. There are certain parts of it that I don't quite like. The ending was okay. Uh, just the resolution with the love interest in the movie, I, I, I didn't quite understand. But, um, yeah. It's directed by Darius Martyr. Screenplays also by Darius Martyr, as well as the story. Screenplay is also by Abraham Martyr, and uh, story is also by Derek Cien France. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. Uh, and here's the cast for you Rizamod uh, playing Ruben, which you might recognize him from movies like Rogue One, Nightcrawler, uh, what else? Uh, Venom, the Sisters Brothers. He's been in a lot of stuff. I definitely recognize him the most from... uh, Whenever I think of him, I I think of uh, Nightcrawler immediately just because that movie is a really good movie and one of my favorites. So he was pretty good in that. Uh, You also have Olivia Cooke as Lou, which Olivia Cooke you probably know from a lot of movies. She's been in Me, Earl and the Dying Girl. Uh, Ready Player One. Uh, she was on Bates Motel. She's been in quite a quite a bit of stuff. But um, you also have Paul Racky, or hopefully I'm saying that right, as Joe. Uh, Lauren Ridloff as Diane. And I'm trying to think, Matthew Almerick as Richard burger that's pretty much the main cast i would say um but yeah this movie i went into completely blind which is you know kind of a funny thing to say given what this movie's about which i will tell you what's about right now um a heavy metal drummer's life is thrown into a free fall when he begins to lose his hearing this movie the way they edit with the the um the sound and all that it just makes you feel like you're kind of in his shoes at points it doesn't do that the whole movie it, it allows you to hear things as as a person would if they were just like sitting there and they had their hearing um but yeah joe is the uh the leader and uh like I don't know how you'd call him really, but the owner of this school for deaf people, um, he reads lips really well. So that's kind of how he hears people. Um, but yeah, Rizamod was really great in this movie. Um, in the beginning, I was not really sure where it was going to go. I was like, is this just going to be kind of like a, a concert? Not concert movie, but like, you know, like a, a Star is Born kind of movie where it's just following, you know, a couple of rocks, heavy metal rockers, you know, on the road and shit like that. 
Dune, Dune shit. And I gotta say, I didn't like the music they were doing. I don't mind heavy metal, but the shit they were doing, I didn't didn't care for. Um, but yeah, Rizamod did really great with the whole drumming thing. I think he fucking knocked out knocked knocked that out of the park. And one of the big reasons I was really intrigued to watch this movie is because of the poster alone. If you look at the poster of this movie, it has him behind a drum kit with the drumsticks, I believe, or something like that. He's just like sitting behind the drum kit um, with his shirt off and all of that. Uh, I love the drums. Drums are probably like my favorite instrument out of out of all of them, for sure. I don't know how to play the drums, but there's something about beats and like you know what i mean like a lot of people would rather have guitar in a song over drums but i would rather have drums in a song over guitar i actually listen to just drum music sometimes um <laughs> and the movie whiplash is one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time for sure uh starring jk simmons and miles teller which i really kind of want to watch that again now but um yeah i was kind of expecting a movie similar to that but what i got was completely different obviously it was about him trying to overcome losing his hearing and he has a really tough time with it like it's it's really hard for him and he used to be an addict um and yeah, it's just he, he kind of feels himself going back into that hole, which is why he needs to go to this school and get help so he can cope with this new, you know, obstacle that he has to has to overcome. Um, and in that he is, you know, really wanting to get this implant in his head so he can wear hearing aids and hear shit. So, but he isn't able to do that at, until a certain point. Um, but yeah, there's a scene in here where he is with one of the students and he, anytime he's with like the students, it's just really wholesome. You see him just being happy and vulnerable and just like, all the students love him and shit, like all the kids. And uh, he really gets along with them. And after a while, once he starts learning sign language and and starts to cope with this new, you know, hurdle that he has to has to jump over, uh, you know, yeah, the the scene with the kid, uh, he was on the park or in the park with him. And they had one of those big metal slides. I'm sure a lot of you know what I'm talking about, especially if you were, you know, born 2000. Well, I'm sure there's still a lot of metal slides around. So it's not like an old thing, <laughs> but I'm sure a lot of people know what I'm talking about, especially if you're a little bit older. They're not as common anymore. So, um, but yeah, he's like, uh, the kid starts like banging on the on the the uh, slide, and uh, well, not banging on it like 
fucking going crazy, but just like kind of tapping on it, making beats and stuff like that. Because since he's deaf, he can feel that. And like, there's times where there's a person playing the piano and they're all touching the piano so they can feel it. And it's just like, that's so beautiful to me. The idea of like, I know it's tough to not have your hearing, but to just feel the music rather than like, well, it's good to hear music. I love hearing music, but also feeling music is a whole other experience, which you don't often get if you're not around instruments a whole lot. Um, but it's just something like at a concert when you can feel the ground shaking, that's the kind of shit I love. Like, and when you're playing piano and it's, you can feel in the piano as you're up against it. Like, you know, sitting at the piano, you have your leg, you know, pressed up against whatever part of the piano and you can feel the vibrations in there from pressing the keys or when you're playing guitar, you can feel the vibration from the strings inside of the, you know, I, I don't know the parts of the guitar, but inside the wooden area, or sometimes it's not always wooden, but um, yeah, like you can feel the vibrations from that and drums, especially like more than any other instrument, you definitely feel the most from drums. Um, but I don't know. There's just something beautiful about that, but I keep getting off topic. Yeah. The kid starts like tapping on the slide and then, uh, it gets risen mods character, Ruben, uh, to start basically drumming on it. And the kid just has his ear pressed up against the slide, which is kind of gross. Now that I think about it, cause a bunch of butts were probably up against that shit, but you know, at the same and and the context of the scene, it was beautiful. Um, but yeah, I, I really loved a lot about this movie and, um, really suggest you go check it out. The people I'm going to recommend it to are going to know nothing about it. That's how I want them to go into it because the way I went into it, not knowing what the plot was going to be made it all the better for me. And a lot of times when you do that with movies, like it ends up being better than it would be if you knew what it was about going into it. Um, I didn't see any trailers. I don't know if it gave away the whole, you know, deaf thing probably. Cause that's basically the main thing of this movie. But um, also one thing I was thinking of earlier, cause I just watched this today is uh, even if you don't like the music in it, the music, even though it's a driving factor in the film, you know, the music and his love interest are the two driving factors for him not just fucking offing himself and for him trying to get help and shit. Um, so it plays a big part in it, but at the same time, it's barely in it, you know? <laughs> it's kind of one of those things. Um, but yeah, I really do love this movie. I really recommend you go check it out. Rizamod is continuing to blow me away with his acting. Uh, but yeah, great movie. Go check it out. Seriously. And the last thing I'm going to talk about tonight is the second episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is Marvel's new Disney Plus show coming out week on a weekly basis uh, every Friday. 
Um, but yeah, it comes out at midnight or it comes out at 3 a.m. depending on where you are. Um, it comes out at 3 a.m. for me. And I am in the Eastern Standard Time, I believe. So um, if you're in the West Coast, it comes out at midnight. So yeah, figure that out. But <laughs> yeah, the second episode is called The Star Spangled Man and uh, really gets to, you, you get a look at, uh, by the way, I'm going straight into spoilers. Actually, here's a little non-spoiler review for you. Uh, before I just fucking go right into it. Um, week to week, I'm pretty much just going to be going into spoilers, but I'll try to remember to do a short non-spoiler review. Uh, I love the first episode, and uh, I'll be honest, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they weren't together in the first episode at all, but this is the episode where they come together, and uh, you also get a look, and this isn't, much of a spoiler because they show it in trailers and, and posters and shit. You got a new Captain America. So uh, we also get a look at him and kind of get into his backstory. Um, so yeah, I, I liked the last episode, but this one's so much better because the action, there was some action in the last one, but it wasn't a whole lot. So with this one, like, oof. The whole opening of the last episode was great, but with this one, it was just like nonstop, I feel like, and I just really enjoyed the hell out of every moment. Not to say I didn't enjoy every moment out of the last one, but I would have preferred if they were together in the first episode, but I understand why they were just trying to establish, you know, where they're at post-endgame. But yeah, let's get into spoilers. So John Walker... Uh, we get some backstory on him. He was in the military. Uh, I can't remember how many, uh, awards or like medals of honor he got. I think like three or some shit. I can't remember. Um, I could be wrong though, but yeah, he's a war hero and, uh, he's the new captain America. So has a wife or a girlfriend, not sure which one and a friend. Uh, I don't remember his actual name, but his, uh, his superhero name, even though he's not really a superhero, he's just like kind of the Bucky in this in this sense. Um, he his name is Battlestar, so uh, yeah, he's from the comics. Don't really know anything about him, so can't really give much input there. But yeah, um, that's the friend of John Walker. Really love. Uh, um, Wyatt Russell as John Walker, by the way, very likable character, even though I think his intentions are pretty, well, I don't think his intentions are bad, but I think overall he is going to end up kind of playing more of a antagonistic role in the rest of the series, um, going forward. But yeah, you got Falcon and Bucky intercepting, a uh, transport from the Flag Smashers. John Walker and Battlestar show up to help. And uh, they, the Flag Smashers end up getting away anyways. Um, but yeah, uh, Falcon and Bucky are told to stay out of the, stay the hell out of uh, John Walker's way since they don't want to join him and help him. Um, which I kind of understand in a way. 
on from both of their sides like part part of me was like come on dude like he's being cool about it like he he's and it's obvious that you are better together than separated but like i don't know i understand where both of them are coming from but overall very much enjoyed the episode that was great and uh got a little tease of baron zemo coming back so definitely excited to see daniel burl i believe is his name coming back as that character um <laughs> i can't wait it's gonna be fun but uh yeah not much of a conversation about falcon and winter soldier this time around uh just because you know not that much happened i feel like you know a lot happened but um I'll probably end up going into a little more detail with a lot once the full series is out and I can just kind of talk about it as a whole as with WandaVision. So yeah, there's my somewhat, uh, non, well, yeah, my non-spoiler review and then my somewhat breakdown of the episode. Um, I'm tired. It's 3 AM and, uh, I have to wake up tomorrow (laughs) But I didn't want to delay this. I got a lot of shit to do tomorrow. And wouldn't have time. So not going to wait any longer. I just wanted to put this out. It will be a bit of a delay for putting it out on YouTube though. So just warning you there. But that was the episode. You can hit me up and follow me on Instagram at popculturepodcast. I'm on, on Facebook under the same name. If you're listening to me on youtube leave a like comment subscribe talk about any of the things i talked about today uh keep the comment section friendly also it doesn't have to be any any of the topics i talked about today can be anything comments uh in terms of suggestions for movies tv shows anything really uh, or compliments or complaints (laughs) If you want to call me out on something I got wrong, go ahead and do that. But just don't be a complete dick about it. Um, But yeah, that was the episode. Thank you guys for listening. And I will be back next week to talk about Godzilla vs. Kong. As well as... uh, What else? Hold up. Let me look. The third episode of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier for sure. Um, 2021 movies. Hold up. I think French Exit's coming out. Let me look at the calendar real quick. Yeah, so French Exit's coming out on Friday. So I'll probably review that. Um, can't remember at the moment who's starring in that movie. Or else I would tell you. Um... But yeah, next week for sure I'll be reviewing Godzilla vs. Kong, the third episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and French Exits. Trying to get to Movie Insider or Movie Web or whichever one I always click on. Um, Why isn't it showing up? I don't know. I don't think there was anything else. But I'm going to do it anyways because I feel like there could always be something that I'm missing. 
I don't want to do that. What else is coming out next week? Hold up. Sorry for the delay here. I guess Concrete Cowboy. Don't know what that is, but that's coming out on Netflix. Probably won't watch it, to be honest. Just being honest. Um, but yeah, that'll be next week, and then I'll probably have some other shit on top of that. Maybe have a friend on or something. Um, but yeah, that was the episode. Thanks for listening. I gotta go. I'm tired. Peace out.